Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesinov. This week's episode is another solo episode from me, and there's a couple of reasons why I decided to record it. The first one is a great reason that I'm super happy about, which is that last week's episode marked 50 episodes of London Heal. It's something I'm really proud of having accomplished. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to all the amazing guests who came on and shared their stories, their wisdom and their insights with us. And most importantly, I'm extraordinarily grateful to you because the reason why we've reached 50 episodes and why I keep doing this is because you're listening. And so thank you for that because it means a huge amount to me and it also tells me that what London Heal is all about, what's going on, the topics that we cover, the themes that we cover, the advice and information that we give is something that you find enjoyable, I hope, and of value and of interest. So thank you for that. Please continue to be part of the London Hill family and tune in whenever something pops up that grabs your interest and attention. The second reason was that this week the European elections are taking place. And for anyone who's not aware of it, uh, even though the name clearly implies it, London Hill is based in London. And the UK is having a bit of a tough time right now. People are very stressed, they're very anxious, they have total fear of the future. We've been thrown into a situation where we're just surrounded by constant chaos and absolutely irrespective of where your political leanings lie, and I'm really not going to even approach that part of the subject. The fact of the matter is lack of decision, lack of direction, lack of what appears to be a plan, lack of agreement, enormous amounts of dissent between people has led to over two years, nearly three years of, of, of anxiety, of people not knowing what the future holds. And if you understand anything about the workings of the mind, that sense of total insecurity is a really dangerous place to be in because it feeds absolutely into our stress centers. It, feels, it feeds into our feelings of not being safe. And that's one of those really primary responses that our biology is totally geared up to deal with. However, as we've discussed in many episodes, it's designed to gear with it occasionally. You know, the, a small threat or an immediate threat that then goes away and we go back to a resting state of feeling calm and relaxed. Well, it's very hard to do that in a modern lifestyle anyway, and particularly in a situation where you're constantly fed from the media and everything around you, um, social media as well, friends, it's go to any pub in London and you'll pretty much hear that topic of conversation. And so this sort of constant level of anxiety, this constant level of stress is incredibly destructive. It's incredibly destructive and it really wears away on your resilience. We've talked about resilience in a couple of previous episodes. If you're interested, please go and check them out. The first one was Bounce Forward Resilience with David Peters. 
The other one was Your Heart is Smart with Roland McCready from HeartMath. And in both of those interviews, we discussed about how this long-term stress actually really wears away at you. And the way to deal with stress and anxiety and frustration and anger and all of those negative but very powerful emotions is actually to build your resilience. And we've talked about several ways of doing that. So I'm out on Hampstead Heath at the moment which is probably the reason why the sound sounds a little different because I'm just recording from my iPhone. Oops, is that an advertisement? Probably, but whatever. And um, hopefully you can also appreciate the sounds of birdsong in the distance and the breeze gently rustling through the leaves and perhaps even the sounds of children playing in the background. It's really quite delightful. The sun is shining I can see all the dappled lights. I'm under the trees at the moment. And there's this wonderful speckled pictures of light and dark and contrast. And that light and dark is, and the contrast that you see when you're in the woods when the sun is shining is, is really kind of a nice metaphor for life. Because life is full of challenges and contrasts. And, you know, it's not always all good. And it's not always all perfect as much as we'd like it to be. However, what goes on in our outside world, whether it's Brexit, whether it's, you know, if you're listening in another country, whether it's other political issues that you may have in your country, whether it's problems that you're having related to your job or your home life or whatever it might be, you can't control any of those situations. Life is light and dark. There's plenty of both to be seen everywhere. However, if you learn to build your resilience, if you learn to look at the world in a slightly different way, if you begin to understand that you aren't your emotions and you're not your thoughts either, and that actually you can influence and direct both of those with practice, then even in the face of the dark and not the light, you can deal with it so much better. You cannot challenge your immune system and your stress response and dump loads of cortisol and all of those other things that happened when you elicit a stress response that we know long term are so terribly detrimental to your health. And so I thought perhaps as a little gift to say thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us get to 50 episodes and perhaps as a little bolster to help you get through this stressful time that we're all in. I thought perhaps I might share with you a few thoughts and also um, a meditation that I prescribed to my clients when they're suffering from stress. It's a, a meditation that you can break down into parts. So if you don't have a lot of time, you can really just do the very beginning of it and find that it will help you enormously. And doing these kind of practices, you don't have to listen to my meditation. You can make your own or you can let the story run in your head. Um, if you practice this often enough, you find that it becomes a habit. And a habit is something that you just instinctively do over and over and over again. It's something you don't have to think about. It's like your body knows how to do it better than you do, and it sort of does it automatically. 
And so I find having practiced these techniques now for quite a long time and teaching them to others, that when I get into situations of urgent stress or uh, anxiety or frustration, just to share with you, I've actually had an amazingly frustrating time the last couple of weeks for some reasons which I really can't explain. I've gone through a period where things have just been going wrong. So lots of household appliances, blocked drains, lights not working, all sorts of those things, um, appointments being cancelled and rescheduled. It, it's just all been very hectic and quite stressful. But I've been really proud of myself because I realized that actually I've learned to deal with that kind of stress. and. I know I can't change the, everything that happens in the world around me, but I can change the way that I respond to it and the way that I think about it. And I hope that with practice, if you don't already have a practice, that that may actually work out for you too. So I hope this little meditation will help in that respect and you're welcome to use it as much as you like. I'll actually finish up this episode and tack the meditation on to the end so that if you wish to listen to it again in the future, you can just quickly scroll to the end and catch it without my blurb um, on the front end or the back end is upsetting you. Um, I will probably also, um, on the podcast episode page of LondonHeal.com, maybe put the meditation there as a separate little audio file, separate to the podcast, so you can download um, or listen to it directly from there at any time without all of this blurb. So what does it really mean to actually kind of deal with frustration? What are, what are those emotions? Frustration, disappointment, anger. They're very active emotions. They're full of a lot of energy. Frustration, you can feel it when you even say the word. You can feel that kind of like pent up feeling inside like you're going to explode. There's a, there's a lot of energy in that. And even if you're somebody who doesn't necessarily believe or agree with the ideas of energy, um, it's a physical sensation that you can most definitely, definitely feel. The same is true of anger. Anger is a, is a very, very strong emotion with a lot of energy behind it. In fact, anger is often, I think, a really healthy emotion. Um, when I come across people who are seriously depressed or going through a depressive episode, we're not talking about very, very serious clinical depression here, but just, you know, people who suffer from being more depressed than they would be happy, perhaps, is a better way to say it. Sometimes a hallmark of that kind of depression is actually a lack of energy. It's a lack of ability to respond. It's a lack of ability to react. A lot of people who are deeply depressed actually feel nothing. They feel nothing, they can't engage, nothing raises them. And so sometimes, actually, if I come across somebody like that and we're not in a therapeutic session but we're just talking, that I will actually sometimes trigger a person to move into anger because at least it's an active emotion, it has energy. And surprisingly, when people move from depression into anger, they feel much better. And they feel much better because they've become active. They're not passively 
sitting there incapable of responding, being so emotionally overloaded and burnt out that, that they just seek refuge and solace in silence, in inner silence. But moving to a place of anger, even though by definition it's not a positive emotion, actually sometimes can just switch you over from that passive into active. And when you feel active, you get a slight element of control, even if the situation that you're angry about is actually something that you can't control. The fact that you can raise this strong emotion against it actually does make you feel better. Of course, we don't want to stay in anger. It's not a good place to stay, but a little burst every now and again can actually really do you good, and it can actually dissipate some feelings and emotions out of the body so that they don't hang around and cause trouble later on. A sort of a next step from anger is, is the emotion of frustration. It, it doesn't have as much energy as the um, emotion of anger, but it's still not a passive emotion. You feel it, you have that kind of inside of you, that pent-up feeling that you want to act, but you just can't because situation doesn't allow or the solution to a problem isn't immediately present. And perhaps a bit further down that, or up, whichever way you want to move it, that emotional scale is, is also disappointment, you know, that when something doesn't go your way, when something goes wrong, that instead of moving into anger or frustration, perhaps you just move into disappointment. Um, that's a slightly less um, energy-laden emotion, but it's still a very useful emotion because these emotions are not something that we should suppress. They're something that we should allow to be felt because you're just expressing your response to something and you're also expressing part of a not solely conscious response but also an unconscious response. These responses are programmed into us and the only way you can change that programming is, is over time by replacing it with new programming. But I'm a great believer that actually repressing emotions is really not good for you and if you do that over time, they will make themselves known elsewhere, perhaps even manifesting at some point as disease, but certainly manifesting in such a way that they just make your life less enjoyable because to carry that emotion on and on and on, the danger becomes that it too turns into a habit and when it's a habit, it becomes like who you are and you don't even really recognize it. It's You think it's part of your personality that you're frustrated or disappointed or um, angry or whatever. And, th and that really isn't the case. If you allow your emotions to be felt, if you allow your feelings to flow through you, then they actually dissipate relatively quickly. And so coming back to this idea of building your resilience and dealing with these emotions. What can we do when we're in that situation? You know, what can we do to bring us back to a sort of a, a zero point where calm returns, where that stress response, that flight, flight, fight, flight starts to get turned back down and we can go back into a, a more comfortable state of potentially even rest and repair? Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm out on the heath. Um, 
wasn't quite so quiet just then as a helicopter went over, but I'm very lucky. I live in a part of London that's very close to a most beautiful area of nature. It's partly curated nature. There are some open air pools, um, natural pools that people can swim in. There's areas of grass that people can take a blanket and lie down. And there's also areas of, of beautiful, beautiful woodland, which really are much, much closer to nature. And I come here quite often, or as often as I can, because I find it really restorative. So my first tip in order to help with any kind of state of negative emotion or frustration, especially anger, disappointment, disillusion, is actually to get out into nature. It's incredibly healing, you know. Our eyes, our ears are evolutionarily tuned in to the sounds and the sights of nature. It's no wonder that actually it's a really interesting statistic that the number of green cars have more accidents than cars of different colors. And the reason being, it's a color that we just associate with calmness, with being natural, and therefore in a motorized setting on the road, strangely enough, you don't tend to see green cars as well as you would see a red car, for example, because that color green is programmed into our minds as being nature. It's, it's renewing, it's re-energizing, it's nurturing. It's actually where we're supposed to spend most of our time. So get out into nature and, and don't just sit, but really look. Look into the trees, look over a stream or in mountains or wherever you happen to be and really take in not only the big picture, but take in the details. Look at the different colors on the leaves, look at the different colors on the bark of a tree and listen, just listen. Listen to the sounds of nature, whether it's birds, whether it's water rushing, whether it's wind rustling through leaves, just take it in. You'll be amazed that you do that for just a short amount of time and you'll find yourself feeling much calmer. Now, even in a big city like London, we're very fortunate. London is actually um, an incredibly, uh, incredibly green city and there are loads of beautiful parks, which although as I said, I, I call that curated nature. At least you're outside with living green things. So please, I really encourage, even if you live in a, in a place where there is no garden or no access, just try and get out, even if it's only once a week, into a space where there's a couple of trees, a bit of grass, even if it's just a park, and actually spend some time and take in your surroundings. Another sense as well that I think you can really feed out in nature is your sense of smell. Um, what I really, really love is when it's been dry for quite a long time and then you go out into the woods and it's just been raining, then you can smell the earth. It's, it's just the most gorgeous smell. Um, I love it. Uh, and uh, it's like nature talking to you through, a, through another set of senses or if you walk past some flowers that happen to produce a scent, you know, stop 
And uh, as they say, stop and smell the roses. You know, that's an expression that uh, has become very cliched, but cliches are cliched for a reason. It's because there is something behind them. So take it all in with your senses. The other thing that I would like to recommend, I have to admit is something I don't, um, I do myself, but I don't do it um, as some people recommend it. And that's to practice gratitude. Now, I always think that that sounds terribly trite and awfully silly. What do you mean, practice gratitude? But it does have an amazing effect on your psychology and your physiology. Gratitude is something which, if you practice over time, also becomes a habit. And it really, really helps you when you are faced with situations of conflict or things that make you angry or things that make you frustrated, disappointed, all of those negative emotions we're talking about. Because again, anything that's a habit becomes a kind of a default mode. So even though you experience those emotions fairly quickly, your brain goes back to, well, usually in this situation, this is what you do. And if that's practicing gratitude, then that will immediately switch down all of those stress responses. So how do we practice gratitude? Well, there are loads of different ways, and I always think you should actually find your own way of doing it. Some people like to stand in the morning or sit in the morning after a meditation, before a meditation, without a meditation, and actually say out loud 10 things that they're grateful for. Some people like to do that before they go to bed at night. Um, other people, and this is the part that I don't do, like to journal. Um, now I have heard from many people and a lot of my friends and colleagues who do journal keep insisting that I should give it a go. Writing is not um, a very kind of comfortable medium for me. I think it's maybe because I spent many years writing for a living, so it has a little bit of a kind of a work connotation for me. Um, but I'm, I think at some point I really will sit down and give it a try. But I know that the people who do practice journaling absolutely swear by it. And a very important part of that journaling is to write down things that you are grateful for. And really, if you do this, however you choose to do this on a daily basis, I always practice gratitude, for example, at the end of a meditation. When I'm finished a meditation and I'm coming out and I'm coming back to the world, I actually take a few moments to actually think of all of the things that I'm really grateful for. And you know, it doesn't matter how bad your life is, there's always something that you can be grateful for, even if it's just for the fact that you woke up this morning. That in itself is something to be hugely grateful for. And gratitude doesn't have to be practiced in a complex way. You don't have to have something extremely sophisticated and complex to be grateful about. It can be the simplest things in the world. It can be really having enjoyed a fabulous cup of coffee or having seen something, um, a bird that's particularly beautiful or, you know, even traveling on public transport, you know, maybe you'll see a, a really adorable little child or something. There's always something which if you bother to take the time and actually look at it and enjoy it, you realize it's something you can be grateful for. And being grateful for those little things in some ways, cumulatively, has almost more power than the things 
that are big and momentous because things that are big and momentous tend to carry a lot of weight and they carry a lot of other things where your gratitude can quite easily tip over into a whole other set of emotions. So think about the little things, just pick them out, pick out 10 things a day and take the time to practice gratitude. And the more that you do that, the more you'll find that when you are in stressful situations, first of all, it will be an active process that you can just really actively recall what you were grateful for that morning or the night before or whenever you did it and just run that quickly through your mind while you're in this state of, of, of stress, acute stress and frustration, anger, whatever. And you'll find that it really does start to settle you down. And if you do this often enough, it becomes a habit so that whenever you enter these kind of stressful situations, you work through the emotion, you let it go through you, you feel it, and then very quickly you remember huh, okay, I'll practice some gratitude. And that way, you actually often start to see things in the situation that you really weren't aware of before. That maybe where everything looks dark and bleak, there's actually a good side or a positive thing about it. There's always something positive in anything. In fact, it's sort of like a sense of learning to practice seeing the beauty in life. And it's really good for you, so I highly recommend you do it. And as I said, on the basis of all of those that I know who practice journaling, perhaps a good way to do it for you is to actually write it down. Another thing to think about as well is just to put things into perspective. Whenever we respond very angrily or with frustration or disappointment to a crisis or something that's going on, we have a feeling of being kind of helpless and hopeless and um, feel that the outside is doing something to us. And, you know, we, we know that it may appear that way, but the way that you choose to perceive this can actually shift those perceptions and those emotions around. And if you don't allow yourself to kind of fall into that victim mentality and, and celebrate a little pity party with yourself, you, you can actually start to see sometimes solutions to these problems pop up seemingly out of nowhere that you actually never would have thought of before. In fact, I actually think meditation in general is actually a brilliant, brilliant vehicle for actually getting that process going in your mind. Since I've been practicing meditation for a long time now, I find that it really does give me that ability to just go, I'm just going to sit back. This looks like a crisis. This looks like a problem. I can't see a solution, but I'm just going to trust that a solution will present itself. Because actually, fundamentally, I sort of really do believe that there isn't really a problem that can't be solved. It's just that the solution may take time and it may not be immediately apparent. But if you can get yourself into that state where you are calm and relaxed and open, you actually see solutions that if you were in this state of agitation, you would just miss. They just wouldn't be obvious to you. You wouldn't see them. So practice trying to raise your resilience and entertain calmness and be able to actively get back into that state 
of rest and repair. And strangely enough, that's usually the time when you least expect it, where a solution to a problem will present itself. Now, I know that's not going to happen for great big problems on a national level like Brexit or whatever, but it might give you short-term or solutions which are suitable for you to help you overcome your state of unrest and unease. It's very hard to learn to live with a state of not being in the known, of knowing what's unknown, because as I said at the beginning, you know, our brains are programmed to see unknown as dangerous. Everything that we're not aware of, that we can't plan for, that we can't foresee and predict is potentially a threat. But perhaps that's my last tip is, you know, nothing's killed you so far because you're still here. So maybe that's actually something to really use to your benefit, to your, you know, actually being able to actively deal with what's going on in your life at the moment is just remember, it may feel like the end of the world. It may feel like the sky is falling in. It may feel like you will never see tomorrow. But the truth of the matter is that nothing has got you yet. You're still here. Every crisis, every problem that whilst you were in it looked like it was A, going to last forever and B, going to be completely insurmountable has somehow sort of resolved itself and even if it hasn't completely resolved itself, it didn't kill you. And that's something really important and you have to actually kind of really tell your brain this because it doesn't know, it sort of assumes that everything is a threat. Your brain's not very good at measuring degrees of threat. It's kind of a bit binary in that respect. It's sort of on or off. And if you are in a situation where you feel frustration, anger, insecurity, um, you know, disillusionment, depression, it's because your your body's sort of concern, if you like, your, your mind's concern, because your mind, as we've spoken of so many times, is there to protect you, your mind actually kind of engages in an all or nothing response. And it goes, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? And it will just predict the worst possible things because the only thing it's thinking about is, are you going to live or are you going to die? And if you don't die, then hey, let's face it, everything about that's a bit of a bonus. So don't fret. You know, that's, uh, it seems trivial and easy and easy for me to say when, you know, the, uh, this month's rent can't get paid or you just got made redundant or the factory's closing down or your partner just left or has been unfaithful or whatever. There's a, a whole myriad of terrible things that we all have to experience, you know, those shadows as well as the light parts. But the fact of the matter is it hasn't killed you yet. And that's a really good place to start because that's the place where you can start to think about calming down your responses to it and seeing the solutions to some of those problems that perhaps would not have been available before. So anyway, these are just my musings and my ramblings and uh, I thought to share them with you. I hope that you find them of interest and I hope you find them uh, entertaining and useful and perhaps you actually also recognize when those things are happening to you yourself 
And um, I think I'll stop talking there and lead you into a guided meditation. As I said, this meditation can be split into two halves. So the first half where we get down into that sense of calmness and serenity, my favorite word, um, is actually something that you can use in isolation by itself. So only two or three to five minutes. And if you are in a situation where you can't go off and meditate somewhere comfortably for 20 minutes, you can just engage that. It's a simple breathing technique and a focusing technique. Um, and it's very useful. It works very quickly. And you can do it before you go into a meeting. I've actually even been known to do it in the middle of an argument with somebody where I literally just take two minutes, time out, close my eyes and do this little practice just so that I can center myself again and not allow myself to react and speak and say things which I absolutely know I shall later regret. It's also a very good technique to engage at work when you are in difficult situations and most definitely before you shoot off that email in response to something that's just totally annoyed you because you know very well you're going to regret that tomorrow morning and the world of emails has still not managed to make it possible to retract and delete so think beforehand and maybe just get yourself into a better state where you can see the world more differently because you know that's something which is really relevant and true as well is that the the emotional state that we we are currently in very much determines how we interpret the world around us if you are angry then you see things and interpret things in a way that just feeds that anger because you're in that kind of a loop if you were to experience exactly the same situation but not be in a place of anger, be in a place of calm or even appreciation, you would actually perceive the situation very differently. You would see things and hear things differently. It's really interesting how that actually works. Um, a good way to check that actually is to think of a memory of something, a situation which really kind of brought up some of those negative emotions but only do this when you're actually in a really good place and look back on it don't kind of go back and relive the situation but just glance back at that memory and just see how your current feelings influence it you'll find that actually you'll be able to deal with that situation a lot better than where you were in it and it's not just a question of time having passed and you not being as angry as you were then although that is a component it's also very much that if you are in a good place in a good state you can see and perceive things around you in a very different way to when you're in a very very negative state so just practice that it's a it's a good tip so enough of my blatherings let me take this opportunity to once more really thank you all from the bottom of my heart for listening to London Heal, for being loyal, for tuning in week in, week out. I know that not every episode appeals to every person. That's the idea. We're eclectic. We cover a, a huge range of subjects all the way from the hard science, like our episode last week on microglia, moving way over almost into the into the land of woo although i try not to go there too much um and so you know we know that not episode every episode may appeal but 
you keep coming back for more, it would appear. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, I, I'm so grateful, I can't tell you. It's wonderful. It's definitely one of the things that's on my gratitude list every day. So thank you for that. And of course, as always, I have to ask, please rate reviewers on iTunes. If you find this podcast of interest, these episodes of interest and value, please pass them on to those that you may think may also benefit from them. That's what all of this is about. Enjoy listening and we'll be so delighted to have you back at any point in time. And if you would like to receive extended show notes, especially for those episodes which are jam-packed with lots of information and facts, then please just go over to londonheal.com, sign up and become a London Heal Insider. And whenever there's a new episode, you'll receive all the links to that episode, plus exclusive access to extended show notes. And at this point, I'd also like to mention that if you are a therapist or a healthcare professional, please tune in and keep an eye out on London Heal, especially over on the Facebook page, or if you're a London Heal insider, keep an eye on your email. Probably in about six to eight weeks' time, we have a really nice surprise and offering coming up that I think is, and hope, is going to be really useful to you. So, just a little teaser there, just to keep, keep things interesting. So, of course, at this point, before I go into the meditation, which, as I said, I'll tack on to the end, thank you, my gratitude, my appreciation for you all, and wishing you from the bottom of my heart health, happiness, and serenity. And now, find yourself somewhere comfortable to sit, preferably without too many distractions around you, too much noise, too much that takes you out of yourself. And just close your eyes and start to breathe. Take a breath in and breathe out. And as you breathe out, blow the air out and try and make the exhalation a little bit longer than when you breathed in. Repeat the process, breathing in, take a deep breath in, filling your lungs, and now exhale, metering out the breath so that it lasts longer than the inhale. And for a third time, breathing in, take a deep breath in, filling your lungs, and then slowly exhale, and let the breath come out. And now repeat again, breathing in. And this time, especially if you're outside in nature, have the feeling that you're breathing air, life, nature, energy into your system. And as you breathe out, breathe out negativity, frustration, all of those things that are not serving you. Repeat this again, breathe in through the nose, breathing in life, energy, nature, and breathe out everything that doesn't belong to you, that doesn't serve you, that's negative. 
And now, return your breathing to a more regular breathing pattern, one that's completely comfortable for you, perhaps a little deeper and a little slower to the way that you're used to breathing, but just gently breathing in and out. And after two or three breaths, where you're starting to feel this comfortable rhythm, a rhythm that's comfortable for you. Focus your attention on your heart. If that's not easy for you to do, take your hand and just place your hand on your heart. Right or left, doesn't matter. But that physical feeling of having your hand on your heart will help you draw your attention to it. And now take those breaths, and this time, instead of breathing into your lungs, have the feeling that you're breathing into your heart. Breathe right in, fill up your heart with energy and air from the outside, and breathe out through the heart. Do this several times, breathing in through the heart, focusing your attention on your heart, that beautiful organ of love, creativity, positive emotion, caring and compassion. Breathing in and out slightly slower than normal, slightly deeper than normal, but rhythmically, consistently, breathing in and out through the heart. And once you've established the ability to focus your attention and breathe in and out of your heart, I want you to think of something gives you an elevated emotion, a positive emotion. Think about a pet or a child or something that made you laugh or something that you appreciate. Try not to use something big like a partner or family or friends because that's a little difficult to always maintain pure love. But just think about something that makes you happy, that makes you feel an elevated emotion, makes you feel a sense of happiness, a sense of peace. Appreciation is always a great one to think of here. It's a very pure emotion, appreciation and gratitude. And whilst you're thinking of that, continue to have those thoughts, but maintaining your attention and your focus on your heart. Breathing into the heart and breathing out to the heart. Feeling those emotions of love, of compassion, of gratitude. Really feel them as much as you can. And now turn those emotions inward to you. Allow those emotions of love, appreciation, and gratitude to flood your body 
start to feel love, appreciation, gratitude, compassion for yourself. Really feel these emotions continuing to breathe steadily in and out of the heart. And now you can begin to turn those emotions outward. Send them out. Send those emotions out of your body through the heart. With every breath that you take in and out, feel those elevated emotions. Remember something that makes you feel compassionate, appreciative, grateful, that makes you feel love. And send those feelings out into the world. Send them out to the situation that you're encountering that currently is giving you stress and is causing you distress. Continue to do that for a few minutes more. Breathing regularly in and out through your heart with elevated senses of emotion, elevated feelings and sending them out. And at this point, if you have to stop and return to whatever the world is asking you to do, you may do so. If you wish to continue, just keep focusing on that heart, breathing in, and start to notice how your body has begun to relax, how your mind has begun to relax. And you can continue into a deep sense of relaxation and meditation by listening to the sound of my voice and focusing on the heart, breathing in and out through the heart and sending those emotions. And now I want you to think about how you would feel if all of the problems in your world were solved. What would be the emotion that you would feel? Would it be freedom? Would it be gratitude? Would it be relief? Focus on the most immediate problem that you're contending with at the moment. Think about how that makes you feel when everything's not going the way that you would like it. What's the opposite of that? What would you like to feel? Would you like to feel freedom? Would you like to feel the relief if this problem in your life, if this crisis was solved, if it disappeared, if it didn't exist or it was resolved in some way? Would you feel gratitude? Would you feel love? Would you feel peace? Would you feel whatever it might be? Think about how you would feel if this problem or crisis or stressor or whatever it is that you're dealing with, if it just disappeared into thin air, if it just sorted it all self, itself out as if by magic, how would that make you feel? 
How would you like to feel? And now I want you to really bring that emotion up. I want you to really feel that emotion. I want you to really get into it. If you find it difficult, think back to a time where you last felt that way. Something that happened in the past maybe that gave you that sense of peace, that gave you that sense of appreciation, of gratitude, of feeling like you didn't have a care in the world. Bring those feelings up really strongly, as strongly as you can. Relief, freedom, ease, all of those wonderful emotions. And now project those emotions out onto that situation that you're dealing with. Don't focus on the situation because it'll draw you back into its claws, but just think about it at the sidelines. So think about it, but view it through the lens of these beautiful emotions. So think about this situation as though it were resolved, as though the problem was solved, as though everything was over and really indulge in those joyous, pleasurable, positive feelings. Just stay there for a while and think about, really embody those feelings. Think about how you would feel. How would you look? What would you say? How would you show up in the world if that problem was fixed? Go there now, spend time there. Spend time in those emotions of calm, resolution, freedom, ease, no stress, feeling wonderful, feeling fabulous. And remember, you have everything at your disposal to be able to deal with everything in your life. You have fabulous coping skills. Mother Nature put you onto this planet with the most amazing resources to deal with everything that comes your way. And when you start to really realize that you can manage your thoughts and manage your emotions and manage your stress and raise your resilience with practice, with continued practice, when this becomes a habit the strangest thing is that things tend to go less wrong because you're open to opportunities, you're open to solutions, you're open to resolutions, you become more caring, more compassionate. When you get into conflict with another person, you instinctively start to be able to see things from their side of the world from their perspective. Perhaps they just had a bad day and they're taking it out on you. Who knows? But you can master yourself so that you can maximize the opportunity of seeing everything and every possible variation of a situation which will help you resolve it, help you master it, and help you overcome 
the negative emotions of fear, anger, and frustration. Those are necessary emotions, but they don't need to dominate. So just feeling that confidence that you know that first of all, you are enough. Second of all, that you were provided with these incredible coping mechanisms. And thirdly, and most importantly, that life is supposed to be good and that you can enjoy it and that you should enjoy it. And even in the worst situations, there's always a glimmer, a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of beauty, something that can be appreciated, something that can be valued and always lessons to be learned. And knowing this and feeling comfortable, feeling safe, feeling appreciative and grateful and compassionate, bring your attention back into your heart, fill your heart up with a sense of confidence that whatever is out there, all of the light and all of the shadows, whatever comes to you, you can deal with it. You have the capacity to deal with it. All problems can be resolved one way or another. There's always a silver lining. There's always a lesson to be learned. And the easiest way for you to be able to access this information is to keep yourself in a state of calm, in a state of repose, in a state of appreciation, in a state of gratitude, and in a state of love. Lose your judgments, lose your anger, lose your victimhood. Just put it to one side, even if it's only for these few minutes, and just allow yourself to breathe in love, breathe in beauty, breathe in calm, breathe in serenity. Let it work in your body and breathe out through your heart. You can continue to do this on your own for as long as you wish to until you feel your body has begun to relax to calm, to repose, to refresh, to renew. Practice this, because when you feel in control, when you feel love and appreciation, when you can learn to deal with adversity in a way that isn't just a knee-jerk reaction, even if an anger or frustration or a disappointment shows itself. You allow those feelings to be felt and then move back into a state of calm, collectedness and openness. Then trust that you will see things that were not visible to you before. You will see solutions. Solutions will present themselves and you will also recognize in situations which seem terrible at the time that you're going through them, that at the end of them, you come out stronger 
and there's always a lesson to be learned. Let that frustration just pass you by. It's fleeting, it's temporary, it doesn't kill you. You're still here and you'll still be here. Breathing in and out of the heart, relaxing. And now move this recovery into your body, becoming more aware of the rest of your body. Breathing deeply into the base of your stomach, filling your whole torso up with air. Breathe life into your body. Start to move your hands and feet. If you choose to, you can even shake your hands and feet. Let that all go, just like a dog that's come out of a pool of water, shakes himself to get loose. Just shake it. Shake your hands, shake yourself a little bit. Even if it's only gentle movements, just let all of that disappear, go out, and leave you feeling calm, nurtured, and refreshed. Coming back into the room, take a deep breath in. Be ready to open your eyes. Open your eyes. Just relax and be ready to take on the world with new resilience.